Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are we on? Hello, hello everyone. <laughs> this is uh, the Commons People podcast, live from the Conservative Party Conference in Birmingham. And we are honoured to be joined by Heidi Allen, Tory MP for South Cambridgeshire, and also Ned Simons and Martha Gill. I tried to stop them, but they're here anyway. And we have got a really, we've got a really full audience. I mean, you can't see this, but we've literally got an audience here of people. So give us a cheer, everyone. So we go, yeah, yeah, good, good, excellent, excellent. Keep the cheer going, because we're going to talk about Brexit. No. Yes. Sorry, Heidi. Um, so obviously, it's been dominating the comments this week. Um, Already yesterday on Sunday, Theresa May uh, gave her first speech as Prime Minister to the Tory conference and she talked about Brexit and we had all the sort of Brexiteers up speaking on the main stage, giving their views on it, with the exception of Liam Fox. I noticed he wasn't <laughs> part of the Brexiteer thing, that was quite weird. He gave a speech today to a, a half-empty hall. Um, Heidi, you campaigned for Remain. I did. You did. And you wrote in your blog afterwards, uh, one of the big issues now that people are talking about is, do we keep freedom of movement? and keep in the single market? Or do we sacrifice freedom of movement to be in the single market, that kind of thing? And you said, I do not believe free movement of people has been a bad thing for us in South Cambridgeshire. Mm -hmm. If you look at all the economics around this, freedom of movement is generally seen as quite positive for the UK. Mm -hmm. But yet emotionally, people, a lot of people, it seems, don't see it as a good thing. How do you, how do you make people realise it is a good thing, or do you have to listen to their emotional concerns? Well, that was the interesting thing, wasn't it? Because the the parts of the country that did vote to remain were the areas with the highest levels of immigration. So we had got our heads around the fact that it could be great and you could have skills and things that you needed that would help to boost your local economy. So so much of it, I think, was partly what the media was pushing, partly perceptions that people had rather than it being reality. That said, the milk is spilled. You know, whatever the reasons are of how we've got here, um, like it or not, I believe we have to respect, you know, what the, the overall majority of the British people have said. Because if you make a, if you say that suddenly you don't like the decision, then that's not democracy anymore. And maybe you have views about whether it was ill-informed, what the reasons were why people voted the way they did. The, the point is they did. And the minute you stop listening to people when they vote is a minute that I think you're in a slippery slope as a country. So we just have to deal with it. But it must be frustrating for you when you see prominent Brexiteers in government and you look at Boris Johnson's of this world and you think, you put that thing on the side of the bus and it wasn't quite true, mm-hmm. right? And there's a few things just about immigration that weren't quite true. How do you kind of respect them and the job they're doing? Do you not just want to get them in the corner and go, come on, you know that was a little bit naughty? Um, no, because I suppose um, one of the reasons why I decided to become an MP back in 2011-12 was because I didn't like what I saw and rather than moaning about it, I decided to have a go and become an MP myself. The only way I believe you can change things is actually if you get off your sofa and decide to do something and get in there and be part of that change. So yes, you could be unhappy about it. Yes, I think it was tantamount to deceit to put those numbers on the side of the bus, but hey, guess what? Welcome to politics. You want to change it, you want to have it a cleaner um, business, you want people who are more reflective of normal people and honesty, get in there and join the party and change it. So it's not great, but 
That's politics. And do you think, you mentioned about being an MP and getting involved, do you think now Parliament has a big role in what Brexit actually means? There's kind of a big discussion now, isn't there, about how much MPs and the Commons has votes on the deal. I mean, do you think there should be a vote on the eventual deal when it comes up? Well, I've been trying to understand what Theresa said um, yesterday mm. um, because the Great Repeal Bill, I think they're calling it, so that is going to come to the House of Commons, mm. which sounds to me like um, it's just a procedural thing, mm. actually, just to undo yeah. our tie to European legislation. So are we going to get a vote on the nitty-gritty? I suspect not in Parliament. Will we get to interrogate it through new select committees? Yes. And will we get to deba debate it? I'm sure we will. But I don't think we as MPs will be in a position to say, yeah, we like that deal, or no, it's not good enough, we should reject it. I just don't think that's going to happen. Do you think you should be able to, though, whether, whether that's granted to Parliament or not? The problem is, when you start going down that road and thinking, yes, actually, I want to have a say if I don't think it's right, if it's not good enough for my constituency, you're starting potentially to undermine the referendum result. Right. Because the referendum result is, we need to leave. Uh, you know, the referendum result wasn't we need to leave only if the terms are great or only if the terms are what we want. The referendum result was to leave. So it's actually a separate issue. Do you think there's a risk that the referendum, that respecting the referendum result to the extent that everyone seems to be doing is undermining democracy in other ways? For example, we have a Prime Minister now who hasn't been elected. Uh, we have, um, you know, Jeremy Corbyn in the Labour Party kind of clinging to a mandate there that, 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 that seems to override others. Is there, is there a worry that, that sort of other forms of democracy are being undermined by everyone kind of clinging on to the referendum in this way? I don't think so, because, you know, to have a referendum was part of the Conservative manifesto, wasn't it? And that's what we were voted in on, on in 2015. And the way I look at it, so the result is whatever the result is. That's just the consequence of the thing that we promised we would deliver. So actually, have our policies broadly changed? No. Are we acting on whatever that result was? Yes. So all that has really happened, if you think of it in corporate terms, we've got a new chief exec. The shareholders are the same. Most of the, the, the products that we're selling are the same. We said we were going to give you a, a once-in-a-lifetime deal on that particular product, and we've given it to you. <laughs> actually, Oops. it turns out... Yeah, maybe you didn't mean and you claim the insurance policy back. Yeah. <laughs> there are other alternative products available here. Um, so actually, I don't think that things have changed. Is that a to Labour? <laughs> <laughs> Can we spin that? That's good. Give me another glass of wine. Um, Can we get, Can we get <laughs> quite <laughs> several glasses of wine? So no, I, I don't. Um, if people don't like how we're being steered as a consequence of it, mm. then that's the general election, that's what that's for. But right here and now, no, I think, you know, Theresa May is operating exactly within the deal that was, was struck when people voted in 2015. One of the consequences of the referendum result was obviously David Cameron going. And I know that you were attracted to the Conservative Party because of a lot of what Cameron was doing, weren't you, with the compassionate conservatism kind of thing? Were you sad to see David Cameron go? Um... If I can speak honestly, I'm not yes, sure... Yes, you can. Um, that's with or without mine. Um, I'm not sure it was David Cameron that attracted me to the Conservative Party. And the compassionate Conservative thing is something that I wanted to see more of. I didn't really see it, actually. Okay. I thought it needed it. Um, was I disappointed to see him go? Um, I thought... I mean, I can't blame him. Can you imagine being in his shoes? And he's got a family. He's got a life. The thing that a lot of people forget, you know, yes, you are a politician, but you are also a human being. So is that true? <laughs> that's great, that's great for you, isn't it? Let's see if the same thing happens to me as it would to you if I drink too much wine. <laughs> on the other side. Um, but you know, if you were in his shoes, 
what option did he have? Hmm. For me, as a leader, a, le a prime minister, I would have waited for the, the ship to steady a little bit. I would have right. stayed, not forever, not till 2020, but at least, I don't know, a couple of months. Do you think so up until, do you think he should have waited to trigger Article 50 himself or just waited over the summer? I don't even, I mean, the summer was unfortunate timing because, yeah. you know, suddenly Parliament was dissolved and, well, is anybody doing anything? You know, the kind of panic. Because that would never happen in business. You know, you, ha you have some crises that happens and, you know, you stay and you deal with it. So that, the timing was unfortunate, which is why I'm glad actually we got our leadership contest done and brutally, but very quickly. And I think for me, he should have stayed, I don't know, a few months, whatever felt right, until we had a decent um, set of candidates lined up, till um, the markets had stabilised, but to resign the morning after, or the morning of even, wasn't it? I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. That for me that's, was that's a bit too soon. So do you think that the number of candidates that came forward, do you think if he'd had longer, there would have been maybe some unexpected candidates that might have emerged? Who knows, um, possibly. Were, were there any names that you, you would have thought you might have seen come forward if they had more time to consider it, rather than the, the obvious names of Theresa May and, and Boris and so on? And Liam Fox. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always. Every, every time, <laughs> yeah. every time. Keep going, Liam. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Always surprise me. Um, I don't know, in a, in a, actually in the opposite sort of way, I was surprised to see people like Stephen Crabb put the name forward. Right. Because I was like, wow, where did that come from? So that felt like a bit of a shooting from the hip mm. um, reaction that maybe wouldn't have happened had there been more time. I mean, I don't honestly know who else might have put the name forward, but and it's not even about that. It's just about, as the Prime Minister, your country has just gone through the biggest earthquake mm. it can remember, and the first thing you do is say, I'm going to hand it on to somebody new. Mm. Of course, he promised not to do that, didn't he, before yeah. the referendum mm -hmm. took place. Do you should have stuck to that? I do, but how tired, how exhausted, his wife, his children, you know, let's give the guy a break, we're human beings. Mm. And mm. I can't imagine the stress he would have been under. I'm sure if it had been going a couple more months and we would have seen Alan Mack put his name forward <laughs> uh, somehow. Um, no comment. Yeah. The other issue that's, I mean, if you look at the amount of fringes, there's 53 fringes going on about Is Brexit. That all? Uh, no, about that's Brexit. Not oh, right, you're looking more. Enough. Okay, excellent. I'm certainly more than there was at Labour. Um, the other big thing that's been a bit divisive is, is grammar schools. Um, you were on the Daily Politics uh, and you said that you weren't opposed to grammar schools kind of on an ideological level, but you thought that, that more change is going to put more pressure, more change is going to put more pressure on the system, is what you said, and yep. perhaps we should be focusing on. Uh, improving recruitment of teachers and funding schools. You talked there about the mandate that you had in 2015, but there was no mandate for grammar schools. So is that going to be the, the way that people who are opposed to grammar schools are going to try and fight it, do you think? I don't know. I mean, the grammar school thing, um, it seems to me, is a very personal thing to Theresa May, um, something that she feels very, very passionately about. Is that a fire alarm? Is that a fire alarm or just a long screen or <laughs> a drill? It's, a <laughs> it's Alan Mack trying to get in. <laughs> Don't worry, Alan, you will do you next week. It's fine. Sorry. Well, maybe I'm out of time. I think, it, I don't know if, if you saw the, the exchange between Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn mm. across the dispatch box on grammar schools. Mm. It was personal, my belief system, your belief mm. system. It was almost nothing to do with policy. It was just about how I feel, how I feel. And I do think that's where it's come from. It feels to me that Theresa May has been sitting on the front bench possibly for a very long time. Happy, unhappy, you know, some <coughs> policies she obviously liked, some perhaps she was less keen on. Just thinking, just wait, just wait. And but this was what she wants to but do. But that's interesting that you say that because the policy was announced with no expertise to back it up, no 
other policies around it to sort of shore up the worries about social mobility that it might cause. I think some of those being announced tomorrow. Um, and it, as you say, there was, there was this exchange across, um, across the dispatch box, which Jeremy Corbyn won. And do, do you think it was a mistake to announce it in that way? Well, I mean, I, I'm not privy to the knowledge of why the timing was or wasn't and why it was announced yeah, yeah. then. Um, so I can't comment on that. But in terms of, you know, on the one hand, you know, last parliamentary term, I became a massive fan of the Lords um, because they seemed able to help out. <laughs> Were you a fan of the Lords before you got into Parliament? I didn't really know what the Lords did. Right. Before, okay. And now you know what they now do. Now I do. I like the them government. a lot. I like the Lords a lot. Um, and... Um, I, so I didn't really understand um, just how you could change policy, how you could, at the 11th hour, create U-turns. Mm. And for me, of course, there were some personal celebrations in there because it was things I thought we were getting wrong. But at the same time, you know, if you're the government, you've got to be strong. You've got to have conviction. You've got to believe. You can't flip-flop and U-turn all the time. So whereas it might have been personally convenient for me because they were campaigns I was interested in, actually, if you've got a Prime Minister now showing a bit of personal metal and a bit of conviction, that's probably not a bad thing. Now, you can get into a debate about whether that particular policy in grammar schools is your thing or not, but actually having a strong leader at a time when this country desperately needs balancing and calming, then having a, you know, a woman who has a strong voice and strong opinions and is you know confident that's probably a good quality to have sure but that particular it, it, that policy while it's a sort of strong opinion it's also split the tory party in two do you, do you see do you see that do you see them getting it becoming more split or do you see it somehow getting back uh, getting a bit more unity honestly i don't know yet because it sort of it, the policy tumbled out when nobody was expecting it and don't forget you know we came back into summer recess we were there for two weeks and then we broke in again for conference recess so honestly i haven't been around my colleagues enough to genuinely gather an opinion mm. my sense is it's one of those um, toxic policies that swings people you know it's not um you know i feel that theresa may was on a real honeymoon period people thought she was fabulous you know from every walk of life and, and I worry that that might have just put a little dent in the honeymoon period because mm. people weren't expecting it. But honestly, how divisive it may or may not be, I don't know yet. We need to get back, you know, in 10 days' time. Ask me then when I start to... Not that I hang out in the tea room. Cause I'm <laughs> Pardon it, you hang out in the tea room. <laughs> <laughs> One person who's been very vocal about their opposition is former Education Secretary Nikki Morgan. I managed today to turn on my TV and she wasn't on it. Talk about it, which is quite rare. Different she channel, was talking surely. about it as a, on a fringe, though. She oh, said was she? it was <laughs> right. She said it was uh, it was undermining all of the good work that the Tories had done, and uh, and and she uh, yeah she said that that it was uh, yeah it was it was it was bad because every child deserves excellence. Mm. Well, Nikki Morgan at the fringe leads us nice onto this week's quiz. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Enjoying that, everyone? So uh, this week's quiz is about. Uh, I just I can't stand the look on your face. Right? <laughs> no, I just because this is the only bit of work I do in the week. It's about how many. She's leaning forward, excited. She I'm very careful. Is there a prize? Right. Yeah, there is a prize. Uh, yeah, the uh, boss is going to buy us all a bottle of wine. Um, it's about how many fringe events people have been at. Okay. Okay. I'm so According right. to the conservative app. Some of them were invited and didn't turn up, but let's not split hairs over this. That's far too much effort. So Nikki Morgan's only down to speak at two events. Okay? Right. So I'm going to give you some names, and you've got to tell me whether they are down to speak at more events than Nikki Morgan, <laughs> two, or fewer, <laughs> okay. zero, okay? And this quiz is called The Morgan Hardest Way... Morgan or less than? 
What? Is it Morgan or less than? Hey. No, but that's oh. actually better than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the quiz is based on the greatest musician to come out of Birmingham, which is Mike Skinner from the streets, not ELO. Sorry, Hardy's husband's a big fan of ELO. Uh, it's I called The Hardest Way to Make an Easy Living. And if it was, if it was less than Morgan, don't mug yourself. Right, I mean, I forgot don't those already. Yeah. Right. And if it was more than Morgan, has it come to this? Okay. Well, hang on, more, more than Morgan has it come to this? It's not come, less than, it's don't mug yourself. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine right. is okay. way better. <laughs> Philip Hammond. Wait, what's less again? Don't mug yourself. These are street yourself. songs, by the way. All right, there is a link. Fit, sorry, Philip Hammond. Philip Hammond. Don't mug yourself. Don't mug yourself. I think, I think it's. Good. Yeah. I think it's just the other one. The street, more one. The more than. Has it come to this? Has it come to this? Has it come to this? I mean, crikey. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> three. He's down Gosh. for three events. All right. Some good jokes again, I'm sure. Uh, Liam Fox. Has it come more to this? Than, uh, the more than. Because he did our one. Yeah. And he's done another Has one. Has it come yeah. to this? Yeah. It, because, I don't uh, think there's a category for the number of fringe events that he's possibly been at. <laughs> Save that remark for the next <laughs> person, okay? Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, Liam Fox is four. So Give more than. Has it come to this? Um, Robert Halfon. Uh, Has it come to this? Except that he's lovely. He is lovely, but that doesn't change the fact that he's down for 12 <laughs> fringe events. That's how lovely he is, people inviting him. I mean, he's a man who always goes, I don't really want to talk about it. I think he does. Uh, Justin Greening. Oh, oh, has it come to this? Don't mug me. Whatever oh, well, she's been don't invited. Whatever that was, I don't know. She's been invited to I'm a lot that. of them. Oh, OK, we've been invited. I didn't count how many she OK, had. well, then, uh, has it come to this? Has it come to this? Uh, yeah, she's down for six. Uh, Heidi Allen. Oh. Embarrassed me. Wow. <laughs> Nobody invited me anyway. <laughs> was it more or less than Nicky Morgan? Less. More. Oh, wait, more. hang on. I think Sorry, it's more. the same. You're trying to look him in the eyes. And yeah. <laughs> so so hang on, we should get Heidi to actually answer yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heidi. Yeah, no, is it just yeah, yeah. going to a fringe or being invited? Being invited. According to the Conservative app. Oh, probably about the same, about Even Stevens. It is, it's two. Well yeah. done. So I think it's actually been uh, and finally, <laughs> yeah, just skate crashing where I'm not wanted. <laughs> on the panel, just finally, up and Alan Mack. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the show. <laughs> um, um, I reckon it's gone less. I reckon it's like zero. Gone. I don't know, so I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go with zero as well. I think what do you reckon? Has it come to this? Uh, it's don't mug yourself. It is zero. <laughs> Alan Mack is down for zero fringes, <laughs> but he is available at short notice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm picking on him, but no, he's never going to watch, what is he? What did he ever do to you? <laughs> <laughs> he's always really nice to me. He sent me a really nice letter after the door. Not anymore, no, I'd say. I love Alan. I don't know why I'm being horrible to him. Anyway, uh, so I'll tweet this at him afterwards. <laughs> Speaking of people being horrible, Philip Hammond today giving some giving some jip to old Ed Balls on Strictly. Yeah, and yeah, nicking his policies. And yeah, nicking his policies. <laughs> I thought it was quite sort of like brass neck of him. So basically, Philip Hammond has said the government aren't going to commit to paying off the deficit by the end of the parliament. They're going to do it just when they can do it, yeah. which is exactly what Ed Ball said before the last election. <laughs> and George Osborne accused of being irresponsible. Uh, Heidi. So uh, <laughs> is Ed Ball's... Have we basically got like a UKIP Labour coalition in government? Because UKIP with the grammar schools and Brexit and Labour with the kind of economic policy... Is that what's happened here? Um, I hope not. I sincerely <laughs> hope not. Um, Are you surprised, though, by the fact that he's come out and he said, we're not going to reduce the deficit in the time we set, and we're going to borrow money to, to invest in infrastructure projects? Yeah. Um, the borrow part, I am slightly surprised at. 
um, the just kind of holding steady was what I was expecting. Um, I mean, I'm pleased, you know, for areas like welfare reform that they're talking about no more cuts, thank mm. goodness. Um, I am slightly surprised by the borrowing, but maybe that's a symptom of the economic climate we're in, where interest rates are, the fact that you can do it for no money at all, so it's, you know, not going to harm our credit rating. So um, it's surprising, but not something that terrifies me, I suppose. I think where we are right now economically is probably an okay thing to do. I was going to ask a really different random question, to be honest. Cool. We, me we mentioned Robert Halfen, and we were talking about, is this a Labour-UKIP kind of government? And Halpin himself was saying at a friend this morning about how we shouldn't underestimate Labour, about how everyone kind of assumes that Jeremy Corbyn's going to get wiped out by you guys whenever the election is, whether it's next year or 2020. I wonder what you thought of that. You know, do you think it's an easy ride for, for Theresa May now, or do you think that, that Jeremy Corbyn's more of a threat than... Um, I think... Um, there are many Conservatives who may think it's an easy ride. Mm. I think the minute we start to believe that, we're in, at risk of making mistakes, because you know, complacency is never a good thing. Mm. Do I think Jeremy Corbyn um, is a threat, as in, is he going to be the next leader and Prime Minister of the country? No, I don't. Right. But do I think the way he's making people think and challenging kind of existing, um, what's appropriate behaviour, care, um, you know, people values, He's making people think in a different way. Right. So that is probably a, th a threat, if you believe it's a threat. I happen sure. to think mm. it's a good thing. Mm. Um, do I think him as an individual is going to give Conservative sleepless nights thinking, well, that's our next Prime Minister? No, I don't. But he is, you know, whether you agree with his policies or not, he's, you know, he's, he's, pulling, he's pulling the rug a little bit, isn't he? And he's making people mm. think in a different way. How, how do you think people ought to respond to the new things that Jeremy Corbyn is making people think? How, how do you think the Conservatives ought to respond to that, the new way that Corbyn's making people think? Well, I, I, think, I think the Conservatives should, should respond in the way that I have been saying, that Robert Halfon has been saying, it's not new stuff, mm. this being able to be fiscally responsible and care for people. It should be something that we can do. I suppose, um, you know, if you're going to get political about it, and if anybody knows me, and I hope that's why you've invited me here today, because I'm really not political, I no. don't actually care yeah, yeah. whether it's a red or a yellow policy, it's whether it's a good policy mm. or not. I do, you know, whilst I, um, I commend some of his, um, you know, the way he presents himself around tolerance and equality and fairness, you know, you've got to be fiscally responsible as well. You can't be um, the mum who gives you the sweeties and lets you rot your teeth, but I love you. You know, you mm -hmm. have to be, you know, like parents, you have to have an element of both. So I think the Conservatives should do what I believe they have always can and have done in the past and should do more of, which is making sure that they show a side that, you know, is compassionate um, and is caring and is not just about balancing the books. And you do that by getting into the detail. So you don't talk about a budget surplus being the only thing you're interested in and, OK, we're just going to chip away a little bit at disability benefits or never mind about universal credit and tax credits. You have to get into the detail. Detail is difficult because government departments don't work in detail. They're massive tanker ship silos mm. that appear unable to communicate with each other. You achieve both. You achieve financial responsibility a decent budget which keeps mortgage rates, rent rates low for individuals, means that they can find employment, but you can also care about what I call the little man. You can do both, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy and determination, mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen, in, happen easily in government. Are there any of Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn's policies that you think are kind of almost there, that you sort of agree with? Um, I, mean, I suppose it's not a policy as such, but um, just the way you treat people. You know, being right. um, kind sounds like such a, a 
a soppy, stupid little mm. word. Kind of gentler. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice like to each other. Like you were to Alan. Oh, <laughs> got me there. Stitched up. <laughs> and just respect. Just every single just person has, you know, is equal in value. Yeah. So you just, you just, there's beautiful moments gone now, isn't it? Because you're just laughing. No, no, I do. There's some music underneath yeah, this. Um, it, it wasn't just... But isn't that, isn't that rubbish? That a Tory talks about being kind and about caring, mm. and it's a yeah. thing that, you know, you couldn't possibly take seriously. I've just never heard it before. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's just people, that's just no one being nice to you. It's <laughs> yeah, a different yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, right, no, right, okay, right. Nice all the time. <laughs> Got that, okay. Now, it wasn't just questions from, amazing questions from us. We also asked you on Twitter earlier on to send us your questions using the hashtag Ask Heidi. Um, if you could give, this is genuine, if you could give your teenage self one bit of advice that. in general <laughs> regarding politics, in general or regarding politics, what would it be? That's from Ashley Briggs. Ashley, so Hello, Ashley. Hello, Hello Ashley. Hello, Ashley on Twitter. What, what, so what advice would you give? Again, what advice would you give your teenage self in general or regarding politics? Well, I don't think I would have given my teenage self any advice about politics because I didn't really know about politics until I was 39, 40? Ned's age. Um, right. <laughs> so I wouldn't have given my teenage self <laughs> any advice at all about politics. Um, I think I might have um, told, because my teenage self was very ambitious and very um, a bit dweeby, to be honest. Dweeby? What's dweeby? dweeby? I was all into maths. Nerdy. Oh, Nerdy. Right, like you. Nerdy. Right, there we go. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I probably would have told my teenage self to um, try and meet some people who are a bit different to me and learn a little bit more about how other people live and, you know, that it's not all about getting A grades and that there are other people out there. Grammar schools would be great at that, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> Especially skilled, I'd yeah. say. Um, after the PM speech, is there a place for moderate pro Eurocons in the Tories? Moderate pro Eurocons? Yeah. So if you're a moderate who's pro Europe, Europe. and it's a conservative, basically you, right? Are you all right so? in the Tories? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Okay, other questions on the Ask Heidi hashtag. The soft spot on my baby's head really freaks me out. Should I try to protect it? I think that's from another. Is that another thing? That's another. That's another thing. Yeah, because we've got quite, quite a lot of health. I had an ultrasound and was told my cervix is short. What does that mean? I don't know. This is when are you coming back to Alaska? Being that, yeah. So you hijacked another. I think you hijacked another. It looks more interesting, actually. How do you make your steel-cut oats? Every time I make them, they're super dry. I don't know, Jordan. I don't know, but there we are. So anyway, thank you all for coming. That was our um, podcast from the Conservative Conference in Birmingham. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe every week on iTunes, come to our website. And uh, thank you very much to Heidi for coming along and indulging us. Thank you very much. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.